Okay, so that was a great one last night at MSG. Was it one of the games of the year? Was it the game of the year? Maybe slash probably. That was three periods plus of excitement and a little bit of everything for everybody. Was there skill? Yes. Were there great goals? Yes. Were there controversies about kicked pucks? Yes. Were there big hits? Oh, yes. Were there fights? Yes. Was there extra frame? Was there extra frame heroics and drama and confusion and anger and euphoria? Yes to all of those boxes I just outlined. Check marks in all of them. Really, it was one of those games where, and if you were watching this last night, this was one of the two we had on, on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. If you were watching this one and you're like me, what's the first thing you did after Alexi Lafreniere scores that goal. And Jacob Markstrom slams the stick on the post, almost catches, by the way, the referee who's standing behind the net. Maybe not almost, but was within the vicinity of. I'm sure the NHL is enthralled about that. But nonetheless, you can understand the anger uh, that Markstrom has in that situation. If you're like me, what did you do at the immediate conclusion of that game? You went to the Calgary Flames schedule and you saw, okay, please, cross your fingers, cross your fingers. I know it's east and west. Do these two teams face off against each other one more time? And the answer is a resounding yes. And the answer is going to be, uh, <laughs> the question is going to be answered in a, a, just over a week here. February the 18th is a Saturday. It is a hockey night in Canada game. It is the rematch, Calgary versus Truba, or sorry, Calgary versus the New York Rangers. February the 18th is a Saturday. It is a hockey night in Canada game. Send the kids to bed early. Tell the neighbors we're not coming over. Park it and watch it. This one could really be a doozy because I'm sure the one thing that Daryl Sutter is not going to stand for is what specifically happened last night. And I'm sure if you're Gerard Gallant, you'd like another order of uh, what happened last night. And as far as being a hockey fan goes, yeah, give me another order of those two teams as well. High skill, high level of, let's just be honest, violence, (laughs) big body checks, fights. I know people complain and clutch the pearls about why do they have to fight after they hit? And go through that argument all over again. Not interested in having that conversation anymore. But that was like hands down one of the best one of the best games we've seen this season. That one was just a delight to watch. Meanwhile, the Bo Horvat era uh, began last night as the New York Islanders beat the Philadelphia Flyers by a score of two to one. Uh, Horvat not a goal, not an assist, but for the New York Islanders, something monumental happened. They scored a power play goal. We'll talk about uh, Horvat and the uh, the Islanders here in a couple of seconds and the Philadelphia Flyers with Elliot, who's going to pop by. He's back from Florida, by the way. He's landed successfully, and he's back on terra firma here in Canada. Uh, we'll talk about the Islanders and Horvat. We'll talk about the Philadelphia Flyers and the John Tortorella, in brackets, not Chuck Fletcher, in brackets, Note to the season ticket holders. Uh, the Anthony Bavillier era, meanwhile, we're talking about eras beginning, uh, gets away, gets underway in Vancouver last night at the Prudential Center. Or wait a minute, are we still calling it the Tockett era? I'm so confused. Uh, anyway, the Devils win this one in overtime, and Quinn Hughes chasing Jack Hughes on a breakaway in overtime is the highlights coming out of this one for me. Now, 
You know, it's one where Quinn pretty much catches up to him. And Jackie Mealy says afterwards, there's a shift discrepancy between him and me. I was at the end of my shift and he was at the beginning of his shift. So he had fresher legs. He was fresher out there. You know, we used to hear that kind of talk around around hockey fights. When someone would get caught, when someone would lose a fight, they'll say, well, oh, he just jumped on the ice. I was at the end of my shift. Now... It's about races and the Hughes boys. Uh, We talk about eras beginning, the uh, Jacob Magna era in Seattle. Okay, I'm getting ahead of my here. I'll uh, I'll stop. But yes, Jacob Magna in the lineup tonight for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, Panthers over the Bolts, 7-1. Carter Verhege and Matthew Kachuk, each with a pair. Kachuk adding three points, three assists rather, for five points. This was a continuation of All-Star for for Matthew Kachuk, uh, who continues to be a story. If you thought last year's pace was something... If you thought last year's numbers were something, it seems if Matthew Kachuk is only just warming up. Uh, the Dallas Stars beat the Anaheim Ducks in a shootout last night. That is one of the two big stories in that game. Well, three, really, because good on the Ducks for coming back in this one to tie it up, send it to OT, and then send this thing to the shootout as well. Um, Jamie Ben, congratulations, playing in game number 1,000 as the Stars beat the Ducks. All these topics up for grabs today. Let's get the show going, shall we? This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. It's one of those games where you just want to go back and watch it all over again because it seemed like every couple of minutes there was new drama or something new to be outraged about. For those of you who watch hockey games in order to be outraged, I should have thrown that in off the top as well. If you live for the outrage of it all, there were moments where you probably were outraged and looked smugly at the NHL or looked smugly at hockey. It was just flat out great game. It was, you know what? It had a, um, it was new school skill with an old school vibe. That's what that game was. That's what Calgary and New York was. I know I'm gushing about this, but why not? Like, just what a fantastic game. Skill, high level. Violence, high level. Controversy, high level. If you live for outrage, high level. You got your protein shake, okay? A little bit of everything. Again, February 18th, Hockey Night in Canada. Circle it. Someone who will be watching that, certainly, will be someone who's played in plenty of games like that. He'll join me at the bottom of the hour, and that is Luke Gazdick. Uh, former NHLer, never shy about playing in games like that. Gazdick wasn't uh, from the NHL on Sportsnet. It is the Oilers facing off against the Detroit Red Wings' first game back post All Star, and uh, we'll talk about Leon uh, Elliott. And I had a really good conversation with Drysaddle at uh, at All Star in, in Florida. So we'll talk about Leon Drysaddle, Connor McDavid, and um, you know if the Oilers are. And I keep getting told no, no, no. Um, interested at all in Jacob Chikrin. Random player of the day, speaking of Jacob Chikrin, is a defenseman. No spoilers. That's coming up in hour two. Uh, Keith Kachuk's going to stop by. Speaking of, we mentioned Matthew at the All-Star, Brady at the All-Star as well. One of the things that I really enjoyed is seeing the pictures of the two boys um, standing next to established superstars from when they were kids, and now they're playing in the same All-Star weekend as Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby, etc., uh, and we'll talk to Peter Bob from The Athletic. The Colorado Avalanche will get some reinforcements because that's what they need, right? Uh, in the lineup tonight, Valeria Chushkin and Bowen Byram tonight up against the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it sounds like Josh Manson is close 
to a return. So, like, this is, like, scary time now for everybody else in the NHL, certainly in the Western Conference, as the Avalanche are now getting reinforcements and are now getting players back. And we should probably park some time and talk about Gabriel Landeskog and when he could make his return because it doesn't sound like this is going to be one of those things where Landeskog just magically looks at Nikita Kucherov appears in the playoffs and the Avalanche, you know, marched to another Stanley Cup win to make it back-to-back. You know, Landeskog is probably going to play in the regular season. The only question is when. Um, also, and Peter's written about this at The Athletic, the Avalanche are one of those teams that have been married to the name Jonathan Taves for at least one season and maybe more. He's got an interesting piece of what it will take to get Taves into a an Avalanche jersey. I don't think the price is very high, folks. I, I really don't. Like, the, the rumored price tag is, you know, probably a third, maybe a fourth. Uh, I don't think it gets as high as a second, but we'll see. It's decision time soon uh, for both um, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. In the meantime, joining me now, he's returned from Florida safely. He's back on the program. He's Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Welcome home, Frege. You know what? I, I have to say, I would have been much happier with my extra day in Florida if it stayed 30 above. Right. But it's not that bad here now, though. Like, we, we missed it. No, now it's fine. Like, yeah. Hey, hey I, I'm not We really missed it, man. <laughs> you know, I, I have to say to you, yeah. you know, every, everybody was complaining about All-Star Weekend because the show wasn't good. To me, All-Star Weekend was an enormous success because I was 60 degrees warmer than it was at home. That is a victory. Yes. Um, Hey, there is a report out here now about the Boston Bruins planning. I'm just getting this note from someone. uh, The Bruins planning on playing in in Australia. Have you heard of this one? Yes. Well, we talked about this, that um, that they're going to go to Australia next season. And the league will go to Australia next season. And one of the things that they learned about this year was apparently Colorado in particular said, if we're going to go overseas, it has to be at the beginning of the year. Uh, uh, like the, the, and I think Columbus said it too, but for Colorado, which is, is uh, in uh, mountain time and then, or, and then goes all the way overseas to Finland, it's too much. So it's got to be at the beginning of the season. So I'm not sure if this is going to be exhibition games or a regular season game, but I do think the league is going to Australia, and I do think the Bruins are one of the teams on the radar. Perfect. Okay. Um, I want to get right to this. I think L.A. was on it too, and I think Vancouver was another team yeah. they were talking about. Yes. Hey, quick quick note on Vancouver. Um, you know, going back to the weekend, you know, the, and, and the Steve Simmons uh, piece about how we're not sure what the future is for Jim Rutherford with the Vancouver Canucks. Does he want out? Uh, is he done with all of this? Uh, do you have any any any, uh, any idea if that's you know here, there, or nowhere? Um, you know, I, I think this. I, I think that. Uh, uh, like I, I would be a little bit surprised because I, I think the thing with Rutherford is um, he's pretty private. That's number one. 
Number two, I, the one thing I do think is I think this year has stressed everybody out. Like, not just the fans and the players, but the organization from top to bottom. Um, yeah. It's gone worse than everybody hoped. Um, there's been almost a tire fire every day. And, you know, things have gotten out uh, that have, you know, affected the way they can do their business, right? And, you know, the organization is trying to figure out, like, how all these things are getting out and, and what's happening. And I think it's been a highly stressful year. I just think at the end, and I think they've got some long-term decisions to make about, you know, where they're going, not only on the ice, but off it. You know, their front office, uh, who's going to be there long-term and who isn't. But the one thing I think about with Rutherford is that he knows that if he was to walk away, this would probably be the end. And I'm not sure yet that that's what he's – I'm not sure yet that's where he is. I I, I think he wants uh, – I think he would want a chance to try and fix it as opposed to walk away in the middle of it. Um, real quick, and we'll, we'll park the Vancouver conversation there for, for one brief second. Just got a note from someone, just talking about uh, Australia uh, a couple of moments there with you. Someone sends me a note. How, is, how are the St. Louis Blues not involved? They're the only team with an Australian in the raw, on their lineup, which is, of course, Nathan Walker. Have you heard St. Louis? Is he, signed, is he Australia signed, at all? Is he signed for next year? Yeah, he's got the 23-24. Uh, he's got the 775. Oh, okay. I had not heard. I had not heard St. Louis's name. That makes a makes a lot of sense. Maybe they'll have to be an off season trade if the Blues don't get in. <laughs> League forces trade to Boston Bruins. Now, Walker to the Bruins. I, I have um, not heard the Blues name, but that doesn't mean they're not being considered. Like I, I do want to say that it doesn't mean that they're not in there. It just means I haven't heard their name. That's all. Right. Okay. Um, Man, that Calgary Ranger game last night was something. That yep. uh, I described it off the top of. It was it was new school skill with an old school feel. Um, there was something for everyone in that game. There was high mm-hmm. skill. There were great hits. Uh, a little bit of controversy with uh, with the kicked in goal, according to some. Some say it was just mm-hmm. fine. The NHL was fine with the Mangiapane goal. There was some great saves. Um, there were fights. There were big hits. Uh, there were re- there were reasons to be excited for those that watch hockey to be outraged. There was something for them too. You could clutch the pearls at that one and complain on Twitter about it if you wanted. Like that mm-hmm. whole thing had, it was one of those games that had everything to the point where the minute the game is over, you check the schedule to see when these two teams meet again. It will be Hockey Night in Canada on February the 18th. Yep. Um, it's a Saturday night, and I think that's one that we're all going to circle now, Fridge. What jumped out at you about that game, other than Jason Truba just trucking everybody? It was uh, it was an incredible game. I thought it was the best game I've watched this year. I mean, there have been some other really good games mm-hmm. this year, but it it you know it was the best game I watched this year, and I think the hate had a big part to do with it. Um, you know, some like sometimes you wonder about that first game after the All Star game. Is everybody sleepy or is everybody out to, all right, we're back, we're re-energized. And I just got the impression that, you know, Gallant had his guys wired. And, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that don't like Truba. That's why I think the Rangers made him the captain. Because Gerard Gallant, and I told this story before, 
What is the number one thing that upsets Gerard Gallant when he thinks his team gets pushed around? around? Yeah. And he likes players who drag his team into the fight. And last night was why Jacob Trouba is the captain of the New York Rangers. Because he, and he wasn't the only one. I mean, there was like a blade through a, a huge hit on Lucic. Um, like these are yep. he, like, and Blaze trying to save his job right now. Like he is right on the edge of, of the Ranger roster. And he has to know that, but true. That's why Troop is the captain. Um, you know, I, like, I, I love the game. You know, the only problem is, is that I do think the NHL is missing a lot of hate in the regular season. And I think the way the, the game is played in the playoffs you can't play 82 games in the regular season and then up to 28 more in the playoffs the way the playoffs are played. It's just, it's just too hard on the body. But I, I wish that kind of a game last night was, was, was less of an outlier than it is. Now, the other thing I'll say about this, I'd like to say about Calgary, like in overtime, you could see they were in trouble. And... You know, like that's the thing. Like, that, like they have to find a score, or or somebody to who, like because you could tell. Like they they got the puck at the beginning, and I, I can't remember yeah. how they lost it. Whether it was a bad pass or they shot wide or whatever it was, but the Rangers got the puck and they were all over them. And I couldn't believe they didn't score. And then Calgary got the puck again. I think after the faceoff, and that Calgary shot hit Manjapani, and the Rangers got the puck. And right there, the game was mm. over. Like, I know Calgary's been looking for a score. Tree Living has said they're looking for a score. I look at all the points this year that Calgary's given up in overtime. And, like, if, if they don't get in, we're going to be looking at that. And, like, you watched that game in overtime last night. Like, every time Calgary gave up the puck, I was like, uh-oh. And, uh, unfortunately, yeah. like, Varstrom almost bailed them out. But he couldn't make that one save. You know that that last one, I felt awful for him. And that yeah. the, the the game winning goal, the Alexi Lafreniere, and I've I've gone back and watched it a ton. I still don't know how. Like this is basic hockey. How Zadorov skates by that puck. Like how Zadorov doesn't think I need to stop here in case this drops in my feet, and I have the easy exit with the puck. He skates mm-hmm. right past it, and it's a and it's a tap. It's a tap for Lafreniere. Like I, I felt awful for Markstrom. I think a lot mm-hmm. of us maybe expected Dan Vladar to play that game. They went with Markstrom. He needed a big game. I thought Markstrom was really good in this one. I um, agree. And that last goal, I do, I do not pin on Markstrom at all. No. To me, no if there's anyone that you're going to hang the horns on, it's going to be Zadorov. Like how you skate past that puck. Again, like things happen. I get it. No one's a perfect. Not everyone's going to be Nick Lidstrom back there. But that one, I look at and go, oof. Man, that's like stuff that you learn when you're, you know, 11, 12 years old on a puck. I think he was also worried he was going to get run over, which he basically did um, yeah. by his own team, his own teammate. But I agree with you. Markstrom, he made a bunch of big saves. He made a huge save on that first shot. Like I, I couldn't believe he got over there for it. And you know, then you know, at that point in time, he's got to clear the rebound, right? So I mean, I'm yeah. with you, but. It was a great game. I absolutely loved it. You know, like I said, with Blay, like he's trying to save his job there. He didn't pick an easy guy to hit. Like he said, <laughs> you know, he yeah. said like that, like that's a player 
who says, I know I'm on the line here. And he picked the toughest guy in the league to go out and hit. You know, you can't accuse him of, of cherry picking an easy, easy opponent. You know, we um, we talk about a lot about you know the hardest things to do in hockey, and I don't know that we give enough concert to clean yet violent body checks. And mm-hmm. we saw them last night. Like Sammy Blade, right away, the initial thought was, "Okay, that's a bad check." On further review, you know what? It's not. It's a clean hit. That's a really hard hit to make. And then the Truba hit on both um, Dylan Dubé and then the Truba hit on Nazem Kadri. Those are violent collisions, but they're legal. Like, that's the thing about Truba. So whatever you want about him, I know Andreas Athanasiou groused about, you know, that hit on him in, uh, in, in uh, the game against Chicago. But mm-hmm. he hits violently, and he hits legally. Elliot, considering how fast the game is, that mm-hmm. has to be considered one of the hardest skills that anybody has in the game, period. How Truba is able to hit as violently as he does and make it clean, to me, is remarkable. Because the margin for error is tiny. It, yeah. is, so, it is so slim. And Truba does it consistently, violently, and not recklessly at all. Like, to me, it's, it's one of the great skills that we don't talk about. Namely, because you know, he's trucking guys and no one likes to be trucked. Well, I think the other thing, too, is like there was just a, a report the other day um, uh, about CTE, and it basically just said that mm-hmm. almost like 95% of the brains they've tested in the NFL, people or NFL players, have signs of CTE in them. And we all understand now like the dangers of head trauma and repeated head trauma. And like I like a good hit. I've got no problem with a good, hard, clean hit. Um, and... You know, the NFL, despite that kind of storyline, everybody knows that it's dangerous. It's more popular than ever. It's like 95 of the top 100 broadcasts a, a year in uh, in the United yeah. States. And so, like, I think so. I think a lot of us have very uh, different feelings on it. Like, we, we a lot of us like a good, clean hit. I don't think I'm in the minority. I think most people are like me. But I think we also recognize... Like fighting's down, and I think a lot of people recognize it has to go down because we know what we're we we know what the damage can be. Um, so I think people like a big hit, but they want it, but they don't like to see the damage. And I, I think a lot of us who watch sports, contract sports, whether it's the NFL, whether it's the NHL, where it's boxing or UFC, you know, everything that we're enjoying comes with that tag and i think like like i think we you have to understand if you play these sports soccer like one of the worst sports for concussions is soccer like if you play these sports you're accepting a risk and if you watch these sports you're accepting that you're going to see this but there's also the damage of this and i do think people have a difficult time when they see a bad injury you almost feel guilty but I'm not going to deny it. Like, if I was good enough to play, and we all know I'm not, but if I was good enough to play, I would say I would accept the risk. If you hit me cleanly, that's on me. 
You know, Elliot, that's why you'll you'll never catch me saying, you know, uh, the, this player is overpaid in the NHL. Because one of the things, like when I look at, like when I go to Cap Friendly and look at player contracts, sure you can look at production and you could, oh, are they living up to the contract? The one thing that I always keep, in, and I've, I've thought about this a lot, uh, that I always have in the back of my mind is... Let's not forget the risk. And I go, it's they, they assume the risk and they put themselves in harm's way deliberately. But at how many jobs do we put ourselves in harm's way like players do in these violent collision sports? And again, I know it's a choice. I get it. No yeah. one's forcing them to do it. But the risk, you know, like it's, you know, you're one hit away from, you know, not being able to tie your shoes. Like it's a horrible thing to say, but we all know the effects. We get it. And that's why yeah. I look at the money that players earn, and I never, ever – someone gets a big, huge paycheck, right on, man. Good for you. Right on. Yeah. Good, great, great job. On, on, both, on the men's side, the women's side, because there's plenty of concussions there as well, it is a dangerous way to make a living. Now, I agree, Jeff. I'm with you, living, and I've also been told don't be jealous of what other people make. Be happy for people not be don't be jealous of people like yeah. i know you're a very exactly. jealous guy i don't want to emulate that <laughs> well listen you know who i am jealous of i'm jealous of jamie ben because he's now oh, playing yeah. a thousand games in the nhl um now there's a there's a caveat here so he's from victoria so he's the first player born in victoria to play a thousand games russ Cortnell, i believe was born in duncan that's where my sister lives uh but grew up in victoria so do you consider yeah. russ Cortnell from victoria or duncan either way jamie ben has now played a thousand games russ Cortnell played a thousand games as well and i always remember when I mean, we just talked about doug mcclain when we were in florida you know doug always telling me about the columbus blue jackets and how they they missed on they missed on Jamie Ben because they they traded that pick. This is goes back to the, geez, what draft would this have been? Two thousand seven, the Patrick Kane draft. Mm-hmm. They traded the pick because they wanted to get Maxim Mayorov, who ended up playing, I think, like seventy games in in the mm-hmm. NHL. And this Jamie, this Jamie Ben fellow, fell into their laps um, and ended up now playing a thousand games. I love the T-shirts the Dallas Stars players. Uh, war yesterday. Good on the Anaheim Ducks, Dallas Aiken squad for coming back and making that one a game, tying yeah. it up 2-2 in the third, sending it to OT, sending it to the shootout. But, you know, Jamie Ben's been an interesting story his entire career. Do you have a thought now that Jamie Ben and that draft class is joining, and it's a pretty sizable list, joining Sam Gagne, Pat Kane, Jacob Voracek, David Perron, and Wayne Simmons, all members of the 2007 draft class that have played 1,000 games. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I also like that they all, I mean, I know some people don't like it because it's dangerous, but they all went out with no helmet last night. Like, I thought that was uh, a nice, yeah. uh, I thought that was a really nice tribute. I Like, I always like Ben. Like, the one me- the one memory I, I, I think of him is um, when he scored the goal that knocked out the U.S. in the semifinals of the 2014 Olympics, I interviewed after, yep. and, you know, he doesn't like attention. He's very happy not to talk to anybody. And I said, you know what this is going to do? And he goes, what? I go, create attention for you. You're going to be the star. And he goes, yeah, it's the only (laughs) bad thing about scoring the goal. And I always kind (laughs) of laugh about that. You know, he looks rejuvenated playing with the two kids, Jeff. And he also looks thinner this year. I think he changed the way he trained. Um, And I'll tell you this. So I haven't looked at the video yet. But someone said to me, you have to find out, and he said, I'm not going to tell you what it is, 
But there's like one of the first games back after that Olympics, Dallas played St. Louis. And apparently, again, I haven't looked at it yet. He lines up to take a face off with David Backus and Backus chases him all over the ice after. And you, and they said to me, you have to find well, out what Jamie Ben said to David Backus. So you'll recall that year with David Backus. That was um, that was David Backus. Yeah, he uh, fought all those guys. Know, Team yes. Canada headhunting. Yeah. He fought like Taves, and I think Perry was one. I think Jamie Ben might have been one too. There was like a a string every time that David Backus was playing someone who was going to play on Team Canada. He fought them. Like we talked to to Backus about this on the on the podcast. He's like, oh, I, I don't know, think it's that. You know, I don't. Geez. I don't think it was that. I don't think it was that. I no? think it was. No, because that was the first thing I said was it about Bacchus fighting everybody, and I was told no. But he said something right, that really so the, pissed off Bacchus. So that's your white whale, then. You got to find out. So I'm, uh, you know, a lot of us are trying to find out what Bill Wirtz said at the Crosby Lottery, where he's saying yeah, justice, Ron's justice. Big on that. No one yeah. has the answer. And mm-hmm. huge on that one. And uh, and you've got what did Jamie Ben say to David Bacchus to make him? It might have been something about dogs. Because mm-hmm. we all know how David Backus and his and his wife and family are about about dogs, but that is a, you know, here here's the one thing that I'll always mention about Jamie Ben and and Tyler Sagan as well in Dallas, they were mm-hmm. two of the players that along with PK Subban that my oldest son first fell in love with when he started following hockey. For Subban, it was me obvious like what a rock and roll star he was playing for Montreal. But you know what it was for Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan for my oldest kid. It was a show that remember that you know that show Dude Perfect. They yeah, did oh yeah. one with Tyler Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben just doing challenges with the dudes from Dude Perfect. Yeah, I remember. My I that. It was kid good. would watch yeah. that. It was awesome. He would watch that over and over and over. Had like you know Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben shirts, like all of it. I I I know we always sort of you know grouse about you know the NHL players doing things that are out of comfort zone and stick to hockey and all that. I think that's one of the reasons why at least my oldest kid became a hockey fan because yeah, he saw them on this like crazy on, on this great online show. We never give that any attention. We never give uh, that that's any why, concert. That's why I don't like that, to this day. That's why I don't like Pasternak taking criticism for what he tried to do. Like, let's let yeah. don't don't rip people for stuff like that. Like, he's Pasternak is putting himself out on the limb to do that. Um, to do that uh, Happy Gilmore impersonation. Maybe it didn't work, but I, I think we have to encourage hockey players to step out of the comfort zones. 100%. 100% agree. Uh, real quick before I let you go, the John Tortorella letter to season ticket holders, Philadelphia Flyers head coach, um, the key paragraph uh, in the Tortorella letter is him essentially indicating there's no quick fix here. This is the beginning of a process. Uh, a quote, this year was the first step in building the future of the Flyers and restoring a reputation as one of the most respected teams in hockey. Whenever letters like this come out, we all try to read in between the lines. And what do they mean? And what does it mean that Tortorella is the author and not Fletcher? And what is he talking about? You know, this is just the first step. Is this the first time we've seen anyone in the history of Philadelphia Flyers organization hinting at any type of rebuild or reload process how did you see the John Tortorella letter from 24 hours ago? Well, I, I thought it was interesting that Tortorella was the face of it. Um, I think it tells you how popular Tortorella is in the market right now, uh, that, that Philadelphia yeah. chose him to be the face and, and quote-unquote, sign the letter. 
Um, you know, uh, I, I think that, um, so I thought that was interesting. Look, I, I, I think that, it, you know, the Rangers bought a lot of time in their market when they did this a few years ago. And I think that's what Philly's doing. Um, you know, I, I think their fans have been frustrated. And now you can't, they're trying to say, this is our direction. And I think teams should do this. I, I think, you know, indicating your plan and providing clear transparency on your plan is an important thing to do. Yep. Uh, it really is. We'll see which way the Philadelphia Flyers go come trade deadline time. But it seems as if, like, for the first time, like, we've never ever heard a whisper of, like, you know, the first step in building for the future. Whoa, like, that that statement doesn't come from anyone from the Philadelphia no. Flyers uh, in my experience. And, you know, I was, you know, negative two when they were born, when the Flyers were born. So I've pretty much, you know, watched uh, the entire Philadelphia Flyers um, organization through all their, you know, different, uh, different versions. Anyhow, um, listen, welcome back. Uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day. I know it's writing on the horizon for you this week. It's so we'll uh, look for your piece yes. at uh, sportsnet.ca. Writing Tuesday. Enjoy. Burn the midnight oil. Be kind to your body. Let yourself get some rest, too, Fridge. We're very concerned about you. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you're really worried. All right. <laughs> there he is. Elliot Friedman from uh, 32 Thoughts in Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, blah, blah, blah. What are we doing? We're doing Luke Astic next. Uh, we're talking about the Edmonton Oilers in action tonight against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, first game back from the All-Star break. We'll talk about Leon. We'll talk about Connor. Park some time talking about the Red Wings and... Curious, because Luke has played in plenty of these games, his thoughts on what we saw between the Calgary Flames and the New York Rangers last night. Gastic is next. Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now. Back in a moment.